Welcome to episode seven of Kept Secrets. I'm your host, Nikki Rothrock. This podcast is a way that I try and help anyone who's experienced childhood trauma. The title of today's episode is Personal Testimony and Praise to God. There really isn't much of a viewer or listener discretion tonight, which is great because sometimes that can be overwhelming when somebody hears that. They're like, oh no, I might get triggered. So the good thing is tonight I wanted to share how um, God brought me through the abuse. I've noticed on a couple Facebook groups that I'm on, people are talking about not having... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like they don't have anything to live for. They feel completely alone. They feel devastated. They can't get through their pain. So the last one that I read, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to share how God brought me through this because, you know, even though religion may not be for everyone and that's okay, a relationship with a higher power, and in my case, it's God and Jesus Christ. So in my case, this is how things changed for me. Um, in 2008, in May, May 18th of 2008, I gave a testimony at my church. Um, I go to a small American Baptist church in the hometown that I grew up in. And I had been on this path of awesome (laughs) for a while. And my pastor was every month of May, they do this little uh, presentation and they call it Mayflower Moments. And a long time ago, I was like, man, I really want to do that just because I think it'd be cool to tell a test, to say my testimony or whatever. And this one particular year... I was like, I think I can do this. Like God has really worked in my life over the years. Even when I really didn't know that he was working in my life, he was there. And I just want you to find a little bit of hope. Actually, I'd really love for you to find a lot of hope because without that and the relationships that I had at that time, I don't think I would be here today talking to you because I honestly think that my depression would have gotten the best of me and not being able to see a light at the end of the tunnel like that, that was very scary for me. And, um, this relationship that I found with God was so amazing. And today I realized after reading this, I realized how much I have taken for granted and how much I've forgotten that, you know, the things that he's helped me with. So I'm going to read this to you and then kind of talk about it a little bit afterwards. But this is just a bonus episode. It's not my weekly episode. It was just one that I felt moved to um, post tonight. So Um, I, this, okay. So it's called personal testimony and praise to God. This is a testimony I presented to my church on 518 of 2008. My, I just want to tell you my mother, my father, my stepmother, and at the time my boyfriend 
we're sitting in the congregation together. If that's not a God thing, I don't know what is because my mother and my stepmother hated each other for so long um, that when we all started going to church together, they all seemed to find this acceptance of each other. Uh, my dad, I think my dad was living back as a roommate with my stepmother at the time because she had gotten sick too. And um, it, we just all went to church together. And it was the weirdest thing. My poor pastor was like, well, there they are. You know, <laughs> they used to be so mean to each other. And, you know, it's just great to see how God worked in their lives as well. It, just something that small. So, um, okay, back to this. First off, I want to say that I love my parents very much and they have no idea about the things I'm about to tell you. God has been in my life since I was a little girl of 10. I came to Calvary because I felt safe and I thought God would protect me from what I was experiencing at home. Archie quit. When I was nine until I was 15, I was controlled, manipulated, and sexually abused by my stepfather. Quit it. Sorry. I was controlled, manipulated, and sexually abused by my stepfather. It wasn't until he left our home for another woman that I felt I was okay enough to tell my mother what had been going on. She did the right thing by going to the police and reporting the crime. This, this man had more control over me than I could comprehend until about a year ago when he, my abuser, took me back to court. Um, when I explain how God brought me healing, it really can't be appreciated unless you just know how bad the abuse really was. The abuse wasn't only physical and sexual, but mental as well. He manipulated me into hating my mother and thinking that she was my competition. Now, for a young girl, this made it very hard to grow up, even a little close to what society would consider normal. By the time I was 10, I was engaging in activities, adult activities, three, four, and five times a week. I knew as I got older, I was different than the other girls my age. The constant wandering if he was going to be angry with someone and take it out on me, was a lot to take in. My home life was not supportive of God, and at the age of 14, I tried to commit suicide by taking over 20 sleeping pills. I slept for more than 27 hours unnoticed. I was only comforted by the thought of being in a coffin six feet under the ground where no one could hurt me. I felt that way for a very long time. The last time my abuser approached me, I declined, and he told me, quote, since I didn't love him anymore, unquote, there was no reason for him to stay in my house. Two days later, he left. Imagine feeling that you were the reason for your mother having to work two to three jobs and being the cause of her divorce. My father and our relationship will never be normal because of my past. He's been very supportive, and he's tried to do what he can to make things better. After I couldn't stand keeping the secret any longer and telling my mother what happened, I met Beth. I can remember sitting in her office in another therapy session, and she asked me what I wanted to do with my life. 
I thought that working at the gas station was just fine. She asked me about going to college. And I looked at her thinking, people like me don't go to college. We don't get to go to college. She encouraged me and challenged me enough that I thought about it. And I started college in the fall of 1998. And I loved it. My abuser was eventually sent to prison for four years. I spent many nights feeling guilty for what he did. That's pretty typical for a victim. I spent a lot of time in abusive relationships with men. In early 2000, he got out of jail and I was terrified that he would try to find me. Luckily, he didn't. Later that year, while taking a math class, I met Janet. After developing a study friendship with her, we began to talk about religion. After 10 years, I felt like I had forgotten all about God. She kept asking me to come to church with her, and and finally, I went. I started to experience that hunger for Christ again, but this time it couldn't be ignored. I decided to stop the abusive life I was leading and focus on God. Right away, my life was changing for the better. I spent a lot of time alone in my cocoon stage and really relied on God to take the pain away, to take the pain of my past away. I began hanging around Janet a lot, and we spent hours and hours just talking about God. About three years ago, my past became so haunting that I went searching for Beth again. I had spent time with other therapists, but there was something special about her that made me go back looking for her. I didn't have to keep explaining my story to people who just didn't get it. She knew it all so far. I started seeing her weekly again, and we dove into my abusive past. I guess I just didn't realize how bad it was. Janet and I went on vacation in March of 2006 to San Francisco, and while we were there, we visited the Alcatraz Island. It was there at that time that God started working with me. That night, I had a very restless sleep. The next day, Janet knew something was stirring inside of me. I kept telling her that I was okay, other than just being tired. Two days later, God really changed my life. I was home alone and very anxious. I couldn't find anyone to help me escape the prison in my mind. About 7 p.m. that night, I was hit with what felt like a ton of bricks. My past came crashing down on me so hard, I didn't know what to do. I was in a full-blown post-traumatic stress, panic, PTSD attack, and I was completely alone. My heart was beating so fast that my chest hurt. My thoughts were racing and instantly I was taken back to being 10 years old again. The attack was so bad that every sense I have was flaring, and it was as though I was in the middle of an abusive episode. Many times that Saturday night, I prayed for God to just take my life because it was too painful to live. I was literally on my knees praying to die. I begged God, I begged him to take my memories and just help me. Three hours later, I was so mentally, physically exhausted that it was as though God placed me on my bed and rocked me to sleep. During my panic attack, I couldn't think of how Beth could help me unless she saw and felt exactly what I did. So while I was experiencing the flashbacks, I sat at my computer, closed my eyes, and typed exactly what I was experiencing. Once my attack was over, I had written over 10 pages of very disturbing things.
On Monday morning, I went to see Beth and I gave her my written thoughts and begged her to help me. After that night of really giving my burden to God, he began to heal my heart and soul. Three months later, three months later, I was informed that my abuser was taking me back to court because he felt like his sentence, his sentence wasn't right and having to pay for my sessions with Beth, also known as restitution. I spent the next six months anticipating seeing him and literally making myself sick. I knew when I saw him, he could literally just give me a look and I would be under his spell again. With the help of Beth, my pastor, my two best friends, and all of my family, I was ready to face him. The morning before court, we all met here at church and prayed for God to be in control in court that day. This time, I was ready. <laughs> I had so many loving people there that day that I knew when I looked at them, I would see how far God brought me and I'd be okay. When I had to go in the courtroom, it felt like God was with me the entire time. I was on the stand and was pretty calm inside, and I couldn't believe just how well things were going. My abuser never looked at me in the eyes that day. If he had, maybe it would have been different. God was in so much control that the judge gave my abuser the maximum in his restitution repayment. After being able to face him as an adult, it was so freeing. I, was a, I wasn't a scared nine-year-old girl anymore. And this man didn't have power over me anymore. God did. When, Sorry, guys. <laughs> when Beth testified for me that day in court, she told them that I, quote, blew the statistics out of the water, unquote, when it came to my recovery from the abuse. She said, quote, one incident could make or break a person for the rest of their lives, unquote. In my situation, the physical, sexual, and mental trauma was so bad that it was a miracle that I'm so functional. I was able to live my day-to-day -day life during the abuse as well as after. Last Sunday... May 11, 2008, I received my second college degree, and I plan on going further and becoming a clinical social worker and helping other children and families who have been through similar situations like mine. I am able to still hold down a full-time job. I was attending school and working a full-time job during the absolute worst time of my therapy and reliving my abuse almost daily. God recently brought a very loving and understanding man into my life. For once in my life, I can see a future without the pain of my past. God does make things happen when you let him. That night, I had my panic attack. I truly gave this situation to God. And he is taking control of my life and is molding me into the person that he wants me to be. All I have to do is listen.
In closing, I want to leave you with something that Beth used to say. Abuse is like a wound, and at one time, it was infected and bleeding. Now the wound has been healed by the grace of God, and even though I can see the scar, and it will always be there, it doesn't hurt anymore. And that was the emotional... (laughs) I don't even think I got emotional when I actually read it at church, but for some reason... This is the second time I've read this tonight, and it has brought me emotions, so or made me emotional. So uh, there's a couple things I want to talk about in this, and one is just want to make it clear that the the man that came back into or came into my life at that time was short lived. He was also somewhat manipulative, and and I was able to choose myself. And, and realized that being alone was okay. Excuse me. So we didn't stay together but a couple of years. And it just, the he was helpful in things that I needed help with. Um, he helped me overcome a few things um, that were left over from my past. He was very encouraging with my college and I wanted to write an actual memoir or book and um he was very encouraging with that but that relationship just did not last so after he and I broke up you know I I was alone and I was okay with it you know I dated a couple guys but honestly none of them came close to measuring up to Ryan and the love that I had for him So that being said, um, I just wanted to let you know that that was not like a little clue into some wonderful love from my past, (laughs) you know, like this was in 2008. So, um, Belle, come here. Sorry, my, my dog keeps wanting to go outside. Um, but we just came in so she can hold on. So there was a, there's a lot in this and, I think if there's anything that I would hope that you take away from this, the biggest thing would be that God is there. And people sometimes they get angry because of life situations and they're like, well, God made this happen to me or he let this happen to me. Well, I don't really think that God works that way. I'm not a biblical scholar. I don't know things that I can reference in this situation. But in, you know, things that I have personally been through, I don't blame God for this. I actually praise him because had he not taken my brokenness and put it back together. Now, granted, it wasn't put back together the way that I found it or before it was broken. But he made it better. Like... Um, I was able to go to college because of the encouragement of Beth. My, my parents never expected me to go to college. My mom told my guidance counselor in high school that she was, she was pretty floored that I actually graduated high school, to be honest. Like, what kind of encouragement is that, you know? I mean... 
I, I barely graduated high school, but I did. And I graduated a semester early because I hated going to school. Um, but you know, I went to college, I got an associate's degree and I was like, you know, I don't know. I want to get, I want to get a bachelor's degree. So I went back and I got that. And then it just didn't feel like enough. And in 2009, I had um, a pretty life-changing experience with my main abuser, which I'll talk about in another episode because that is an episode in itself. But I had a pretty life-changing experience with him, and I decided I wasn't done with school. I wanted to help other people, and I applied for graduate school. I was literally like the day before the deadline and I was taking it, my application, I had to get letters of recommendation. I had to get transcripts. I had to get so much stuff, but everything fell together. Everything. Um, you know, you, you think of people that you can get to write letters of recommendation for you and it's, you know, you, you don't know what they're going to write and you're like, oh, maybe they don't like me as much as I think they do or, you know, they don't think about me, you know, don't think as much about me as I think they might. But it was so easy to find three three people. You know, I had a former professor who I really liked. Um, she wrote a letter. Beth wrote a letter. And my pastor Beth and my pastor are people that I have known, I had known by that time for very, for a very long time. The professor, that was more of like the academic one. So anyway, I was able to get the application turned in and within seven days, you guys, seven days, I got a letter in the mail that I had been accepted into graduate school. Seven days. It's like they didn't even look at my application. They're just like, yep, you're in. <laughs> but... I was so excited and I called or I texted Beth or I called, I think I called her and I remember her reaction. She screamed so loud in excitement that her, her voice echoed. And I think she may have been at home. I assume it was cause it was in the evening and she was so excited and I didn't expect that, but I was, that made me excited. And I was like, maybe this is a big deal. You know, I mean, I didn't know. I was like, sure. I'm so that extreme, the excitement and the awesomeness was followed by the reaction of my parents, which was, huh? And that's all they, (laughs) my mom, she was just like, so is this a good thing? Like she didn't, you would think she would have known, but she didn't. And my dad was kind of like, well, okay. (laughs) And another family member was like, is this supposed to be a good thing? And I was like, oh my gosh, like nobody reacted the way that Beth did. And I was, I guess I thought that that was a, a good thing because I just, I took it and I ran with it. And I had like a 3.98 GPA in graduate school. You guys, I barely graduated high school, but I found something that made me tick. It made, it just got me. Like I, I had never taken a class and been so excited about it, you know, cause math and science are horrible and 
I was taking these social work classes and I was, the papers were easy because I was interested. So that, the reason why I bring that part up is because God was, he was helping me the whole way. And I feel like some people are like, you know, when God will, what is the saying? God doesn't bring us to something that we can't get through or something like that. I can't remember what it is. But, or God doesn't bring us, he doesn't give us more than we can handle. Sorry, guys. I could not think of that. But in reality, and from what I believe, God does give us a lot. He gives us so much because he wants us to rely on him. He wants us to praise him. And, and that's what I was doing. You know, I, and now granted, I didn't finish graduate school. I was so close, but my heart was not in it. I spent a ton of money that I didn't have. I, student loans, whatever. But I just, I couldn't finish it. And they gave me like a serious deadline. You know, you could only be out so many months when you have like a family crisis or whatever. So I just couldn't get, I couldn't, even if I did go back to finish, I wouldn't have been able to finish in the amount of time that they gave me. So I ended up walking away from it. And I'm okay with that. Um, that, that was one of those failures that I was okay accepting because I knew that I was just spent by the time I had made that decision, if that makes any sense. So college was a big deal for me, and I do feel like that was a God thing. So many times in my younger years was, you know, I didn't even know. I just didn't know that college was even an option for me. And it's made me a more rounded. <laughs> I laugh because I'm an overweight person. <laughs> it's made me a more rounded person. And that's not that's not what I mean. But, you know, I'm, I don't know. So uh, enough about the college thing. But I want to talk more about this day in court. Um, leading up to that day. I got the phone call. Okay, so let's start back at the vacation at Alcatraz. The reason why that trip was such a big deal for me was because Janet and I took the ferry from the main the mainland and we rode it out to the Alcatraz Island. We pulled up to the dock and my phone started ringing. And this, I mean, I was just annoyed that my phone was ringing. I don't, I I don't know why it annoyed me, but it was a phone number from back home. So I thought I better answer it. So I did. Well, it was my abuser's probation officer. And he was, he was just asking me something about um, the restitution receipts that I had sent in because I, I had gone to see, I had been seeing Beth this whole time and I had been paying for it myself and they had the record of it. So I submitted that and 
he was asking me questions about it. I don't remember what the conversation was completely about. But when I hung up with him, I was annoyed. And, but I was like, you know, I'm okay with it, whatever. Let's go enjoy this prison. <laughs> so Janet and I walked up this hill that was the equivalent to 14 flights of stairs. And I don't know if that's really true, but I feel like I read that somewhere. But the hill was, it was a lot. And we got up there, we did the audio tour. It was, it was pretty creepy, you know, because the, the, the hotel, sorry, the prison was so run down because they shut it down in like 1963. So we're walking through there and with the audio tour, you can hear, um, the hooting and hollering of the prisoners and they tell you things that have happened there and things like that. So then we left and I remember thinking about those rooms, those cells and how small they were. And I remember a couple times while I was walking through there that my brain was like, I can't imagine Tom being in one of these rooms for four years and not, not being able to do anything. So the, the anxiety started there. I kept, I kept feeling guilty. I felt so guilty. And I was like, man, it's because of me, this man is sitting and, and you know, he wasn't at that time, but it was because of me. This man was in prison, and this is what his life was like for four years. And I felt bad for him. So that's when the anxiety started. We ended up doing a little bit more shopping and went back to the hotel. And I didn't sleep very well. Uh, Janet said I was talking and moaning, like not moaning, but just really restless in my sleep, just talking and grumbly. And um, then we went out and the next day on our last day and just drove around the, you know, drove up and down the coast and it was beautiful, but I was exhausted mentally. Something, I think Beth told me back then, she's like, you know, vacations can be very stressful, which is no lie. And stress tends to intensify the panic. So it's like post-traumatic stress disorder. So the stress is what can really lead to a panic attack. So that made sense after the fact. So anyway, on the, during that weekend, when I got back home, I was very, very, very antsy, anxious. I was just like, come on, I need to find somebody to talk to. I was calling ex-boyfriends. I was calling friends. I was calling people that I would never even want to hang out with, but I was calling them because I just didn't want to be alone. And it was almost like God was like, nope, we're going to do this tonight. We are going to take care of this tonight. And I, I broke down. Like, I just remember falling to my knees. I, my chest was, my heart was pounding out of my chest. I was on my knees, snot bubble crying, no joke, um, just praying. You know, those, those cries when you're just... You can't breathe because you're crying so hard. That's what it was like. And and I would 
I would pray, I would cry, I would get mad because during this panic attack, I know there's a psychological term for this, but honestly, I don't know what it is. But when you're in the middle of a panic attack of this this kind, your senses are basically completely like buzzing, okay? So for me, I could smell something like I think it was the scent of Tom's cologne or his aftershave. I could taste things that would happen. So at that time, it was like the taste of kissing him with cigarette breath. Um, It was just so intense. Like I felt all of this in that moment. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. Like I was like, am I literally dying right now? Because the panic was so intense. And, you know, I, I sat and I wrote, or I typed out 10 pages of things. And I, I talked to you guys about that a couple episodes ago because I I thought about reading that to you, but there are some very disturbing things on there about how I felt about Tom and um, just the bottom of the barrel emotions. Like it, it was raw, it was intense, it was scary. But at the end, I remember um, getting, picking myself up off the floor because I literally was on the floor and I didn't even change my clothes. My bed was made. So I laid in the middle of my bed, almost in a fetal position and I just went to sleep. And it was almost like God was just laying there with me, stroking my hair and telling me that it was going to be okay. And I have never felt that before. It was like he was just in the room with me and he was like, just cry and get it out of your system, girl, because we got work to do. And I get emotional because a lot of people are like, oh, it's just a panic attack. That was so life-changing for me because I, I went to Beth that next Monday it was a, I know on Sunday I went to church and I was so emotionally drained that I literally looked like a zombie. My eyes were poofy still from the crying and my pastor commented, he's like, are you okay? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just had a rough night and nothing else was said because he didn't want to pry and I just couldn't talk about it. So on Monday, I went into Beth's office and I was like, you have got to help me, please, because I can't go through this again. And I remember she wheeled herself closer to me in her chair. She had my paper sitting on her lap and with my folder and she started highlighting things or underlining things that we were going to discuss. And for the next few weeks, that is what we worked on. And it was it was emotional, but there were so many things that was, you know, I always felt like I needed Tom's approval. 
even as a grown woman, I felt like I needed his approval. And I still struggle with that every once in a while. Um, You know, I'm married now and my husband is definitely a godsend. And I'll have a whole episode about that because... That man is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. And God put him in my life. And I have no doubt. There's no one else on this planet for me. Period. There never has been. So, man, I'm an emotional wreck tonight, you guys. I feel like this was like one of those subjects that I was teetering on that I was like, yeah, one of these days I'll talk about my testimony and I'll talk about how God helped me through things. But today it was like I was scrolling through my old blog and I was like, you know, I need to tell people about this because, you know, therapy is wonderful. Therapy coupled with a relationship with God and Christ is perfect because You're learning things, how to get through the emotional part of it, but you're also feeling that love and the hope and the the support from God. I remember telling Janet shortly after I went, because I was saved at the age of 10, but because my life at home did not support um, a godly life, I guess, I didn't really know what it meant. Um, I did, but I didn't because we didn't practice living that way, obviously. And when I went back with Janet, this is another thing I wanted to tell you that was not in my testimony, but I went, they were doing this month long message about forgiveness. And you guys, that... That got me. Like, there was not one Sunday that I left that church that I was not emotional somehow. Whether it be in the music, whether it be in the message, or, you know, just because I was taking this me- these messages and I was applying them to my life. And I was like, okay, you know, I I shouldn't do this, or I shouldn't do that, or I should do this, and I should do this. So, you know, I was applying these things, and they were talking about forgiveness, And they were talking about the biblical forgiveness, meaning what God says that we should do. And again, I'm not trying to push religion on anyone. I'm just telling you my story. But I hope that somehow you can find something to take away from this. Because I promise you that relationship will change your life. The relationship with God and Christ will change your life. If it's true. If it's a 100% true relationship. It will change you. And I remember the, the forgiveness message. And in the message, it's, it talks about if someone has hurt you or wronged you, it is your duty to go to them and tell them, you hurt me and this is what you did. And at that time, you're giving them the opportunity to ask for forgiveness. I was like, okay, I can't really do that with Tom because there's a protective order in place at this time because that was part of his plea agreement. He was not supposed to have contact with me. I was not supposed to have contact with him, period. 
So I left church that day and it bothered me all week. I was like, how can I do this? How, how am I going to be able to go to Tom and say, dude, you hurt me and give him that opportunity to ask for forgiveness? Now, in my mind, I was like, he's not going to ask, but I just want him to know because I'm supposed to tell somebody if they've hurt me. So the next Sunday, the message was about forgiveness again. And I had written a letter to the pastor and this was a different church because it was, it was the church Janet went to. It was a different church. It was probably about a hundred times bigger than the church that I was used to. So I didn't feel like I could really go up to the pastor and have a conversation with him. So I wrote him a note and in that note, I kind of explained my situation and I was like, you know, my abuser went to prison. Um, he currently has a protective order and I'm not allowed to contact him and vice versa. Like he, it's legal. We're not supposed to be in contact. So, uh, I think it was like Monday or Tuesday. I got a call from his secretary, the pastors, and he wanted me to come in and have a meeting with him. So I did. Well, the first thing he asked me, he's like, before I have, before we dive into a conversation, he's like, I, I always like to ask people just to see where they are. I'm like, okay. And remember, I had never had a conversation with this pastor before. And he's like, I want to ask you a question. And I was like, okay, go. <laughs> he's like, are you a Christian? And I was like, yeah. Like I was almost offended that he asked me that. And he's like, well, how do you know? I was like, oh, crap, I don't know how to answer this. So I said something like, I try to be a good person, try to do good things, this and that. And, the, and he just looked at me and he's like, that's not what I meant. And I was like, what did you mean? And he's like, I was hoping that you would say, of course, I'm a Christian because. And I was like, waiting for him to tell me what he was going to say. Well, he thought that I should have said that I'm a Christian because I believe that Christ died for my sins. And I was like, oh yeah, of course that's the reason. I had never been asked that question before. So to make sure <laughs> that I was right, like that I was in the right on the right path, I, um, said the salvation prayer, you know, asking God to come into my heart. And um, we talked about it. Now, his advice was not, his advice was for me to seek out Tom and tell him that he hurt me. And I was like, so you want me to break the law? <laughs> He's like, well, like, it was just a weird thing and I didn't do it then. So I walked out to my car and I remember my car was the only one in the parking lot. And I opened my car door and I stood there and I looked back at the church and I knew my life was going to change. I just knew it. I was like, things are going to get better. And I was 20, 19 or 20 at that time. Maybe I was 21. I don't know. I just know that I remember thinking life is going to get better. It has to. So many years went by 
Um, I found out that Tom was going to take me. He was basically saying, I don't want to pay for your therapy. Even though in his plea agreement, it was that he had to pay back 100% of restitution, which is any medical medical bills that have to that are because of the abuse and of course therapy falls under that so um the day that I went to that court hearing now we had the first court hearing or the final one of the first round in 1996 and I had only seen him one time once or twice like in public because we lived in the same town. And when I walked into that co- that courthouse, he was sitting on a bench alone. And when I came in this time, I had my mom, my dad, my aunts, my uncle, my cousins, um, Beth, my pastor, I was, I was completely supported this time. The first time I wasn't, I mean, I, and it wasn't at the fault of anyone else. You know, it was not something that we really discussed, but I'm almost out of time. So my point is God put those people in my life that day. My best friend was there too, Janet and Brooklyn. They were there. And, um, Afterwards, all of us went out to get ice cream at Culver's, and it was, I just felt so much love that day. I don't know how to explain it. And it was like when I was sitting on the, um, on the stand, Tom's lawyer was kind of a jackass, and he was basically asking me questions, and I kind of snapped at him because he implied that I was dumb at the age of 16. And I was like, look, guy, I was only 16 years old. I was handling all of this on my own. I didn't know what this meant. And so anyway, (laughs) Tom's lawyer looked like an idiot and it made Tom look like an idiot. And I just felt so loved that day. I remember, um, it was just a, it was a good day. It was a A bad day because I had to see his face, but it was a good day because everyone showed up for me. And I, I love every person that was there, you know, like my uncles came with my, my dad's brothers, they came and, you know, I I felt protected. And I mean, my, one of my male cousins came, I felt protected. I felt like if Tom approached me, these guys would come out of nowhere and take him to the ground to protect me. And little Nikki never felt that. So as a grown adult, it was something pretty special. So that being said, I'm going to have to end it because we're going to run out of time. But I'm sorry if I rambled. But I just want you to know that God can change your life. And God did change mine. And he still changes it. He, you know, I, I don't even give him enough credit, not like I should. And I don't, 
attend church weekly like I should. I, you know, I, I do help out with my small church sometimes, but maybe this, this message will push me back into doing what I feel like I need to do to, to be grateful to him and to thank him for helping me. So, um, I'm going to wrap things up next time. You know, I always say what I think I'm going to do next time and it always ends up being something else, but I have been making lists of things that I would like to discuss and one of them is the entire legal process and how that affected my mental health over the years. So that might be a topic. Uh, my salvation one, this one, was a pretty important one that I feel like I needed to share with you guys. So don't forget, I have a Facebook group, Kept Secrets, um, a podcast about overcoming childhood trauma. I'm very active on there. I don't have a lot of members, but if you're listening and you're a member, thank you. I love you guys. Um, whew, this was an emotional night. I think I just need to go to bed <laughs> early or something. I don't know. But I hope that you guys have a good day, whatever it is you're doing, and I hope that you make good choices. And maybe tonight before you go to sleep, say an extra prayer to God because he's listening and he wants to help you. All you have to do is listen to him. And he can literally take the worst situation and make it better. So until next time, have a good evening or a good day and make good choices. See ya.